Okay, so welcome back. Now that we have a clearer idea about our own patterns in relation to effort, I'd like to talk a bit about ways of finding more balance directly in our meditation practice. And as you can probably guess, the first step is to bring mindfulness to what we're doing, to get clear about what we're doing as we're doing it, and also to be aware of the underlying attitude that we're doing it with. In other words, how we're relating to that experience. I mention this because sometimes even the way that we practice mindfulness itself can inadvertently reinforce an unhealthy approach to practice. And perhaps especially in the beginning of practice, when practicing particularly mindfulness of breathing, it's pretty common that people overshoot the mark when it comes to effort, trying way too hard to develop a kind of pinhead focus or even fixation on the breath and just the breath. But as many of you probably know from your own experience, this kind of over-efforting tends to just lead to a build-up of tension in both the body and the mind, and that is counterproductive. So again, in my own experience, this was true for me at the beginning of my meditation practice. I misunderstood mindfulness of breathing to mean a very tight, narrow attention on all the tiny details of the breath. And during one of those early retreats, I did this so intensely that I ended up actually passing out. So after that experience, I was forced to pay more attention to the underlying attitude in the mind, how I'm relating to my experience. I didn't realize at that point that I'd got so good at paying attention to all the minutiae of the breath that I was completely unaware of the tension that I'd been generating in the process. So from time to time, it can be helpful to just drop in three questions in your practice as a way of getting a quick snapshot about what's actually going on. The first question is, what's happening in the body? So even right now, as you're sitting here, Take a moment just to notice any physical sensations that might be present anywhere in the body. Just noticing without any kind of assessment or judgment, but taking a snapshot of what's happening in the body in this moment. And then the second question is, what's happening in the heart-mind? And I use this term heart-mind to refer to our intellects and to our emotions. So when we ask what's happening in the heart-mind, it's an invitation, again right now, just to notice any thoughts or emotions, moods or mind states. And again, without analysis or judgment, just to know. Right now, the heart-mind is like this. And then the third question, what's the attitude 
to my experience? Or in other words, how am I relating to it? And it's this question that helps us to notice whether there's any kind of holding on to the experience, if it's pleasant. Or if it's not pleasant, if there's any background resistance, trying to get rid of it, struggle with it. Or if the experience is neutral, there's often the tendency to tune out, to disconnect, or spin off into fantasy to create, try and create a more stimulating experience. So these three questions help mindfulness to let us be aware of what's happening in the body, what's happening in the heart-mind, and how we're relating to that experience. For most of us, though, this training in mindfulness begins with the breath. And I'm pretty sure that all of you here have spent a lot of time cultivating mindfulness of breathing. So in our next meditation session, I want to do something a little bit different and practice with mindfulness of hearing, using sounds as our meditation object. And there are a few reasons I'd like to do that. The first is that in many ways, mindfulness actually is a practice of listening. And especially when it comes to finding the middle way of balanced effort, we do this by listening or attuning to our whole being to recognize whether we're getting too tense or too slack. And in the Buddha's own teachings, there's a well-known metaphor for this. Some of you might be familiar with it. In one of the discourses, it's described how one of the Buddha's students had been a musician, a lute player, before he became a monk. And when this man, who was named Sona, became a monk, he was trying really hard to meditate without making any progress. So he went to the Buddha for advice, and the Buddha asked him, Sona, when you played the lute, if you wanted a good sound, did you tune the strings very tight? And of course the answer was no. And then the Buddha asked a second question. If you wanted a good sound, did you tune the strings too loose? And again, pretty common sense. We need to tune the strings just right to find that midpoint between too tight and too loose. And we do that by listening. We need to train ourselves to listen to our own bodies and hearts and minds to recognize what for us is too tight and what's too loose. So this is really a practice of deep listening to our inner experience and to our outer circumstances to know what's appropriate balanced effort. And then, even when we found that midpoint, we have to keep checking because just like with the lute or any other musical instrument, you don't tune the instrument once and then that's it, forever. Any instrument goes out of tune after a while. It's the same with our practice. What's right effort right now in this particular sitting will be different in the next one. It'll be different in the walking meditation, different next week or next month, different when we're sick 
or injured. So some of you right now are practicing with physical issues and health challenges, visible or invisible. So in that case, you need to take extra care to find the balanced approach to practice. So mindfulness then is not a static state. It's not a fixed mental quality that you either have or don't have. It's more a way of relating to our experience, meeting whatever's going on in our bodies, hearts and minds with kind curiosity. So the second reason that I want to experiment with mindfulness of hearing now is that because many of us have heard so many instructions about working with the breath, it can give the mistaken impression that mindfulness is only about being with breathing. Whereas the aim is to be able to bring this same quality of mindfulness to whatever we're doing with some degree of continuity throughout the whole day. Now, it is true that we usually start with mindfulness of the breath because this helps to develop two skillful qualities, actually also two factors of the Noble Eightfold Path, namely right mindfulness or sati and right samadhi or stability, steadiness of mind. And it's the steadiness of samadhi that helps us to stay present with changing circumstances. So again, because our experiences are constantly changing, mindfulness needs to be responsive. And depending on the circumstances, sometimes the mindfulness might be focused on just one small aspect of experience. At other times, it might be more open to cover a broader range of experiences. So we can use this flexibility of mindfulness to our advantage. As an analogy, we can think of it as being like the lens of a camera. So sometimes we zoom in to the tiny details of our experience. That's like the macro setting on a camera. And we can become aware of an extraordinary level of detail that's quite fascinating. And at times, especially on retreat, this can happen quite naturally. But at other times, if we're forcing that process as I was in the example I gave earlier of fixating on the breath so tightly that I ended up passing out, that kind of precision can be tiring to sustain. <clears throat> so in that case, we might metaphorically open up the lens of the camera and take in a more wide-angle or panoramic approach. In this case, the mindfulness is covering a wider range of objects, not just the breath, but perhaps physical sensations, sounds, thoughts, emotions, and so on. And because there are more objects included in the field of awareness, it usually doesn't feel as focused or concentrated as the previous mode. But it's still mindfulness. It's just open to a broader range of experience. Um, one advantage of this type of mindfulness is that because of its relative expansiveness, it can help the mind to relax. We simply settle back and receive 
whatever experiences present themselves at any of the six sense doors. So sights, sounds, smells, tastes, physical sensations and mental activity. There's one potential drawback with this more wide-angle approach is that sometimes that spaciousness can slide into spaciness, spacing out. So if we notice this happening, we can come back to a more focused approach again, choose just one object to pay attention to, such as the breath, stay with that object to build up the samadhi or stability, steadiness of mind again, and then when the mind is steady, we can experiment again with opening up to whatever is predominant. So in a few minutes, we're going to be meditating using hearing as our home base, our primary object. And there are a couple of benefits with this practice. One is that it can help the mind to relax Many of us, when we work with the breath, especially in the beginning, are subtly or not so subtly controlling the breath. Especially if we've done a lot of yoga practice, we might be inadvertently trying to make the breath longer or deeper or smoother and so on. But with sound, we don't have any control over it. We can't make sounds happen. We can't make them stay. We can't make them go away. All we can do is settle back and notice the sounds as they arise, as they pass away. So mindfulness of hearing automatically invites us into a more relaxed and receptive mode of practice. The second benefit of mindfulness of hearing is that it brings us closer to our daily life experience. We're not trying to ignore anything else that's going on and just keep coming back to the breath. Instead, we just allow sounds to be known with the same quality of bare awareness that we bring to the breath. So we're not getting involved in the experience in any way. With sounds, we don't need to identify what they are. We don't get caught up in trying to work out whether that was a bus or a truck. We just know or note hearing, hearing, hearing for as long as the sound lasts. At some point it ends or another sound naturally calls our attention. So we let the mindfulness connect with that until that too disappears or another sound comes into awareness. So letting the attention naturally move to whatever calls it is known as connecting with whatever experience is predominant. Sometimes it might feel like there's a whole cacophony of sounds going on and it's hard to know which one to pay attention to. Perhaps there's a bus out there, someone coughing in the room with you, perhaps background water running in a bathroom and so on. You don't have to focus on any particular sound. Just notice whichever one is clearest or strongest. So that's the overview of what we'll be doing now. I'd like to give it a try together. <laughs> 